not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly confess that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. Your word is the incorruptible seed which is able to save and deliver and set free. We declare today, Father, that as your word goes forth, that it will not return unto you void, neither is it void of power. But as your word is proclaimed, we thank you that faith will rise in the hearts of your people. That, Father, even in the, the series that we are teaching, that our hearts will return back to you. And that, Father, you will reignite the fire and the flame of the joy of the Lord that's our strength. And we thank you, Father, that when we leave today, our hearts will be encouraged and that our lives will be the better. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. We started on a new series on last week entitled Back to the Basics. Everybody say Back to the Basics. And the purpose of this series is to teach those who may not know how to live an enjoyable, spirit-filled life, reignite those who have lost their zeal and passion for God, and then remind others of how awesome life is when we are at the top of our spiritual game. Can you just go back and look at your life and see that when your spiritual life was in order, your life was better? Amen. Our lesson today will help us begin the journey of developing and maintaining a successful spirit-filled life by understanding how to properly study God's Word. So our lesson title today is Secrets to a Spirit-Filled Life. And then I'm going to subtopic today's message as Studying Produces Substance. Say this with me. Say, Studying Produces Substance. Now, my personal goal in teaching you this morning is to help you understand how to study effectively God's Word. Most believers have never been taught how to study the Bible. And so the Bible becomes this mysterious book that no one understands because no one has sat down and taken the time to, to, to take believers through the process. So I want you to go back to our foundational verse, which is Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. This is our foundational verse for this series because sometimes we must go back and reevaluate where we are so that we can reposition ourselves for spiritual momentum. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we must go back and reevaluate. Say reevaluate. We must go back and reevaluate where we are so that we can reposition ourselves for spiritual momentum. And boy, there is nothing like spiritual momentum. I mean, once you are on a spiritual momentum track, 
It seems like everything in your life works. Amen. Now in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Are you there? It says therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Less or unless at any time we should let them slip. So this verse is just telling us. We need to go back and reevaluate what we've already learned about God. Because if we don't keep that on the forefront of our mind, there's a possibility that the things you used to know, you will begin to slip. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that may sound difficult, but I want you to try to do it anyway. I want you today, as I'm sharing God's word, to pretend you ain't never heard nothing about God's word before in your life. I want you to pretend like you lived in some foreign country and you had never heard anything about the Bible. Because sometimes what we know or have known blocks us from receiving what we need to receive. Amen. So sometimes we have to let go, reevaluate, and then reposition. Now here's the first secret, because I'm talking about secrets to living a spirit-filled life. The first secret is... Knowing God's word and understanding how to study his word. That's the first secret. Secret number one is knowing God's word and then understanding how to study his word. Now, once you learn these two things right here, you become a living beneficiary of his promises. See, a beneficiary is a person typically who receives something from someone else that died. Are you all with me? Well, Jesus died which now position us to be living beneficiaries of God's promises. Now go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Very familiar passage of scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But I want you to act like when I'm reading, you've never heard this before. And I want you to take what's being read in face value. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16. Here's the point I want to make if you're taking notes. All of God's word comes from him and it's designed to profit your life. All of God's word has come from him because, see, some people think that man wrote the Bible. Well, the scripture says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So God does not have hands, and I'll show you later on in the lesson this morning. He has to use human vessels for his will to come to pass. Just like the devil uses people, God uses people. We know the devil uses people, don't we? Amen. We work with them. Some of y'all live with them. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, did he just call my spouse the devil? And look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, does your spouse act like it? <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3, look in verse 16. What's the first word in that verse, class? Come on now. How much? All scripture has been given by inspiration of who? God. And all scripture is profitable. Say profitable. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Then it goes on to say why? That the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished or thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So God's word is supposed to profit us. When you look that word profit up, it means to advantage, to an advantage. Now, guess what? Go to Matthew chapter 4 very quickly. Matthew 4. We are spirit beings and we must live by spiritual food. 
You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Now, why is it that we feed our body with plenty of food? Amen. And then our soul, we feed it with junk too. You know, your body, your mind needs soul food. That's why we get an education, that kind of thing. But your soul is the part of you that didn't get saved. That's why, you know, your spirit got saved. That's why you still remember the stuff that you used to do. Because now your soul has to be renewed. All right? Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Are you there? Okay. This is Jesus talking. And he said in verse 4. Man shall not live by what? By bread alone. But by every word that what? Proceeds out of the what? Mouth of God. Now, I'm going to teach you something here. First of all, I need you to see that you need spiritual food. If you do not eat spiritual food on a regular basis, you will spiritually become weak. And if your spirit man is weak, guess what happens? You will fall into temptation every single time. Now, here's something I want you to see. This is part of now studying the Bible. I need you to see that there are figures of speech in the Bible. Everybody say figures of speech. Figures of speech are nothing but ways in which God wants to emphasize something. Okay, we use figures of speech every day. Like, it's raining, cats and... You are getting on my nerve. Absolutely. Now, does that really mean that somebody is on your nerve? Crawling in your body, in your skin? No, that's a figure of speech. Well, what are figures of speech designed to do? They're designed to emphasize. So, like, for instance, if I was going outside and it was raining and I didn't have an umbrella, you say to me, you better get your umbrella. It's raining cats and dogs. What is that going to send the message to me saying? Raining very hard. Well, God has figures of speech in the Bible. And if you just don't pay attention to them, you will miss what he's trying to emphasize. Now, let me show you that in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's a figure of speech. Let me tell you why. Because God doesn't have a mouth. And if a person doesn't have a mouth, basically what Jesus was trying to emphasize us is that you got to understand that God's word is your life. Now, let me show you what I mean that God doesn't have a mouth. Go now to, uh, go to John chapter 4. Go to John chapter 4. Let me show you this real quick. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're talking about studying the Bible. One of the things we got to understand is the Bible is full of figures of speech. You know, when the Bible says, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Listen, you don't want to do that. You're going to look like a pirate walking around here. You're going to need a patch on your eye. What he was saying, he's trying to emphasize, is that your eyes can mess you up. Okay, look in John 4, 24. Watch what it says. God is a what, class? He's a what? He's a what? God is a spirit. Now go to 1 Timothy very quickly. Go to 1 Timothy. I hope you have your page turning fingers on your hand this morning because you're going to need them for me to finish my lesson. 1 Timothy chapter 1. It said that God is a spirit. Well, guess what, class? A spirit is invisible. Watch 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look in verse 17. Are you there? Say, I'm there. If not, we're getting ready to purchase some software where our software will be able to pull that scripture up for you in about two seconds. 
So if you can't find it in your Bible, all you have to do is look on the screen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 17. It says, now unto the king eternal, immortal. What's the next word? Invisible. Invisible. Who it is talking about. Let's keep reading. The only wise who? God. So it just described God. It said that God is the king eternal. That means God is eternal. God is not going to go away. Number two, it says he's immortal. That means he's not a man. He's not flesh. Then he goes on to say he's invisible. So if God is a spirit, spirit is what? Come on, class. Spirit is invisible. Now go to Luke chapter 24. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. Let me show you this and then I'm going to jump into it. I'm trying to help you see that when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 that man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That was a figure of speech. So now as you start reading God's word, I want you to start looking for figures of speech. Because when you look for them, they're going to emphasize things that God is really trying to get across to us. Luke chapter, what I tell you to go? Luke 24. If you're taking notes, you can write down verse 39. Luke 24, 39. Let me get there here. All right. Luke 24, 39. Let me show you something about a spirit. It says now, uh, this is when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And it says in verse 35, the Lord is risen indeed and he's appeared to Simon. And then verse 37. And they were filled with terror and frightened, supposing that they had seen a spirit. Watch this now. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why these thoughts arise in your hearts? He says, behold my hands and my feet that I, that it is I myself handle me or touch me and see. Read it with me, class. For a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. So guess what now? We've already defined that God is spirit. That's foundational. You can't see spirit, right? Right. So listen. Don't be trying to get your relatives to help you talk to uh, Uncle, Uncle David who died. <laughs> Uncle David is dead. You say, well, I talked to his spirit. Well, his spirit went back to God. That's what the scripture says. When we die, the spirit of a man goes back to its maker. So you're not really talking to Uncle David. You're talking to some of somebody else's friends. Now, here's the thing. Even angelic forces can now manifest themselves in the natural. But their first position is spirit. So, everybody say figures of speech. Now, go to Romans chapter 1. Go to Romans chapter 1. We were told to live by the word because living by the word will cause you to live by faith. Romans 1.17, it says that we were called to live by faith. Watch what it says. It says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live how? By faith. faith. So we're talking about God's word. When I study God's word, it will cause me to live in faith because Jesus just said, man cannot live by what? Bread alone. But what did he tell us to do? Live by what? The word. So if he's telling us to live by the word and we just read what it says, we need to live by faith. Living by faith and living by the word are synonymous. Do you see that? So one of the advantages of learning and studying God's word is that it will teach you to walk by faith. Now, let's just jump into now. Go to 2 Timothy. uh, Well, yeah, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's now look into studying God's word. When I learned these principles right here that I'm going to share with you this morning, it took my relationship with God to another level. 
See, that's why I can watch TV and watch somebody preach and they be all off. And then I watch them get right back on. See, when you get to this point, you learn how to chew the meat and spit the bones out. Don't throw the whole message out because he might have said something that was good. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 15. What's the first word in that verse, class? Come on now. Study. To show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Here's the key I want to focus on. Read it with me. Rightly dividing the word of what? Notice that's the name of our church right there. He says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, here's the question that I have for you. What is the difference between studying and reading? What's the difference? Well, studying God's word. Basically, well, let me go with reading. Reading produces knowledge. It just tells you, you know, like when I first read the Bible for the first time, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I didn't even know they all said the same thing. You know, I was reading. I was like, wow, it's just, I just read that. It said that over here. It may not say it the same way, but it's basically the same stories. So reading produces knowledge. But see, when you begin to study God's word, studying is designed to produce comprehension. Now, There is one major foundational principle when it comes to studying God's word. One major one. Notice in 2 Timothy, he says, rightly dividing the word of God. Say rightly dividing. Now, when you look the word rightly dividing up, you know what it means? It means to cut straight. So guess what? He's saying we need to study to learn how to cut straight the Bible. Now. If you don't know how to cut straight the Bible, the Bible won't work for you. Okay, let me give it in the natural. How many in here sew? Let me see your hand if you sew. You know, all right. Now, in the old days, I don't know if they still do it. If you saw an, a, a garment that you wanted to sew, you would go buy the pattern from the store. In that, pa- in that package was like some paper. And this paper was outlined in how this garment ought to be. And you were supposed to put the material down on the floor, put that, that paper on top of it, get your scissors out, and you would cut to match the pattern. If you did not cut correctly the pattern, you may end up with a garment that does not look like what's on the package. Here it is. It was supposed to be long sleeves, and you got one sleeve that's long, one sleeve that's short. Well, guess what happens when you don't rightly divide the word properly? It can't work for you. It's no different than following directions on something that you purchase. Let's say, for instance, you bought a bicycle for your kids. You open up the box and you do like most people do and you don't read the directions. So here it is. You get done. And guess what? The bike doesn't pedal forward. It pedals backwards because you did not put it together properly. Well, guess what? You have to rightly divide God's word. That means you got to cut it straight. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. In order to rightly divide God's word, you got to understand how the Bible is interpreted. So I want you to write this down. There are three ways that the Bible will interpret itself. I know some of y'all saying, I ain't never heard nothing like this. But I'm trying to help you get into a study mode for your life. The Bible will interpret itself in three ways. Notice I said the Bible will interpret itself. Because you're not supposed to interpret the Bible. 
That's why there are so many different churches, unfortunately, out there because everybody's interpretation of the Bible is different. But if everybody allowed the Bible to interpret itself, we would not have all these different churches. Now, here is the first way that the Bible will interpret itself. It will interpret itself within the verse. The second way it will interpret itself is within the context. And then the third one is it will interpret itself, watch this now, in previous usage. Now, let's just go over these real quickly. Go now to John chapter 3, verse 16. You know what it says, but I want you to turn there anyway. John 3, 16. The three ways that the Bible will interpret itself. It will interpret itself in the verse. It will interpret itself in the context. And it will interpret itself in previous usage. Now, John chapter 3, verse 16. We know what it says. Watch this now. I'm I'm about to give you an example of what the Bible means by interpreting itself within the verse. What that means is, whatever the Bible is trying to say, you don't have to read a whole chapter to figure it out. What it's trying to say is in the verse. So watch this now. For God so, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's the question that I have. How do you get everlasting life? Come on, class. Believe it in the Son. That's what it said. Now, we didn't have to go to Bible school to know that. We didn't have to get out of concordance to know that. We didn't have to call, you know, call the prophet 1-800-TELLMETHETRUTH.COM. We didn't have to do that. It was right there in the verse. So when you're studying God's Word, when you're reading, if the answer to what you're reading is not in the verse, then the next thing to look at is the context. Say the context. Now go to Mark chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark chapter 4. This is going to help you study the Bible because some people, they think, you know, unfortunately, Christians don't read the Bible for themselves. And so they believe stuff that's not true. I mean, we even develop our lives over songs. Sometimes up, sometimes down, sometimes level. That ain't the Bible. That is not the Bible. Watch this now. Here's one. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Now, Jamaica, they really believe that's a scripture. That's not in the Bible. So I wonder how many verses and songs that you sing and you believe that ain't even in the book. Now, watch this. Mark chapter 4. We're talking about now in the context. Mark chapter 4. Look in verse... um, I tell you to go. Look in verse 3. Now, we're going to see this work in the context. Look in verse 3. It says, Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he, the sower, sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Here's the question I have, class. Look up. What was the seed that was sown? How you know it's the word? It didn't say it was a word in that verse. Huh? No, and then my, here's another question. What is the fowl of the air that came and ate the seed? What was that? We don't know yet. Because the answer is not in the verse. We have to keep reading. So as you keep reading, if you jump down now to verse 14, it says the sower 
so the what? So now I can, I don't have to guess about it because sometimes you'll hear people preaching about stuff and I don't know where they're coming up with this stuff at. The red, you know, you know, they'll be preaching, oh yeah, David had three stones. One was for the Father, one was for the Son, one was for the Holy Spirit. No, it wasn't. He just picked up three rocks. Come on, you know, even in the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, it says that the wise men, they met him. And when they got to Jesus, he was actually in the home. He was not in the stable. Now, watch this. We grew up singing the song, three wise men. But it wasn't three. The Bible didn't say it was three. But since we have interpreted that it was three, we say three. So we read here. That the word was the seed. Then it goes on to say, but when they heard the word, Satan comes immediately and take the word that was sown out of their heart. So now, who is the foul? Satan. So you see how we learn that in context. Now, let's look at the next one. The next way is through previous usage. Say previous usage. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I'm going to I'm I'm help you apply it to your personal life. But I need you to see this because, see, most people, how many ain't never heard this before? Let me see your hand. Ain't never heard this before. Okay, all right, good. That's a lot of people in here. Now, how many heard it just like I'm, I'm doing it right here? Well, you, you, if I ask you how the Bible interprets itself, you'd be able to tell me. Raise your hand. Well, you don't count. We got a three-year-old saying she do too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Now, everybody talks about Paul's thorn in the flesh. How many heard about Paul's thorn in the flesh? I mean, I've heard preachers just wipe this verse out. They say his thorn in the flesh was sexual problems, was women, was whatever. Well, let's see what his problem was. 2 Corinthians 12, look in verse 7. He says now, uh, For lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh. that was given to him a thorn in the flesh. Watch this now. It really answers what the thorn of the flesh is. He says the messenger of Satan to what? Buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. In other words, Paul had a lot of revelation. And so a messenger of Satan became the thorn in the flesh. But what is that anyway? Well, let's now. All you have to do is go back in the Bible and see when the phrase thorn in the flesh was ever used the first time. This is called the law of previous usage. So you go all the way back. And so we're going to look real quickly at uh, Numbers chapter 33. Let me show you this. Let's just say, for instance, we didn't know that it was a messenger of Satan. Even let's just find out what that is anyway. Because if you think it's the messenger of Satan, you think he just had spirit attacks at night. He's laying in his bed and the spirits are coming in his room. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Look at Numbers now, chapter 33. Numbers 33. Are you learning anything this morning? Okay. Numbers 33. Look now in verse 55. It says here. Look in verse 54. And this is God talking to the children of Israel. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance. And the more of you shall give the more inheritance. And the fewer shall give the less inheritance. Every man inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falls. According to the tribes of your fathers, you shall inherit. Look in verse 55. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass, if you don't drive out these enemies, he said it will come to pass that those which you let remain 
of them, they shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side. And then they will vex you in the land. And God was telling the children of Israel, listen, when you go into the land to possess it, kick out all the enemies. Get rid of them because if you let them stay among you, they're going to become thorns in your side. Do you see thorns in your side or just people that the devil uses? But no sex problem and all that stuff. So we just learned that the Bible will interpret itself in three ways. What was the first way? Come on, class. In the verse. What's the next one? In the context. What's the next one? Previous uses. Now, here's the question that I have. What are some benefits in studying the word? What are benefits? And then I'm going to walk you through how to start the study. Because when you start studying, and this is what, I'll tell you what, go to Psalm 119. Go, go to Psalm 119 real quick. Psalm 119. Studying God's word has some benefits to it. One of the benefits of studying God's word is that it will keep your sin count low. How many would love to reduce the sin in your life? Let me see. If you're not raising your hand, just come up after prayer. Psalm 119. Watch this now. Psalm 119. Look in verse 11. This is one of the benefits of studying the word. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why, class? That I might not sin against you. So when I study God's word, when I put it in my heart, my sin count goes down. And can I tell you a secret? When your sin count goes down, the blessing count goes up. Here's another reason. Go to Psalm 119, go to 105. Studying and meditating on God's word allows God to speak to you and give you direction. Some people say, God, don't talk to me. I don't know what to do. And I tell them, you're not reading your Bible. Look in Psalm 119, look in verse 105. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Watch what it says. He says, thy word is a what? It's a lamp unto my feet. And what else? It's a light unto my path. So God's word, when you study it, it becomes your navigation system. See, once you got the word to guide you and it becomes a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, you don't have to call the 1-800-GIVE-ME-A-PROPHECY to know what God wants you to do. See, you are not supposed to follow signs. Signs are supposed to follow you. And see, some people, they chase prophets all around town so they can get a word. Well, let me give you a word. Your word is this word. And when you learn that this word will govern your life, listen, when somebody says something to me, all they're doing is just adding to what I already know. Now, let's look at one more, one more, one more, one more. Uh, uh, go, to second, uh, go to Second Samuel uh, 7. Go to Second Samuel. Let me show you how the word will speak to you personally. This is something that happened to me. It happens to me all the time. But let me give you a living example of when I say when you start studying the word and you read it, some things will just jump off the page on you. Or even if it don't jump off the page, I take it off the page. See, some people went, well, God haven't said nothing to me in a while. Then I just take a verse that I want God to do in my life. I take it and I apply it in my life. Now watch this. Second Samuel. Look now. Chapter 7. Look in verse 10. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Now, we'll close with this right here. Let me show you how I got this. I was watching television. 
I was watching some preachers preach. And I saw this preacher on TV. I said, you know what, I'm going to look at his website. I went to his website, and I was looking at their history. And, 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 and in his history, they had built two or three buildings cash. I'm talking about multi-million dollar facilities, cash. And boy, that's, that takes faith to do that. So that got me real interested in the guy. So I was like, okay, wow, that's good. So you know what I did? I started reading his website, and I saw this verse. And this is what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 7. What did I tell you? What verse? Ten. Who? Ten. Ten. All right, my, 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 my Bible keeps turning. It says, moreover, this is God talking now. He says, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel. And I put in there Israel, I put Word of Truth Family Church. So listen to what it says. Moreover, I will, God will appoint a place for Word of Truth Family Church. I will plant Word of Truth Family Church. And they, Word of Truth Family Church, will dwell in a place of their own and move no more. I said, that sounds like a verse our church needs to move from a school to a location of its own. So I took that verse and I began to declare it. Lord, I thank you that you've appointed a place for us and that this place, in this place, we'll never have to move no more. And that's why, see, I know we just bought 13 acres, but there's another 14 acres that we need to buy too because we're going to need that much to do what God wants us to do. So I'm kind of happy when it gets hot like this. You know why? So we can see this ain't our church. I'm thankful for the school for allowing us to get what we've gotten. But guess what? This is not our home. But here's my point. I took this verse. I studied it. And I began to confess it. Even though in the natural. Nothing in the natural should have allowed us. As a three year old church. To buy a million dollars worth of property. But see the Bible says. All things are possible. To him who believes. The Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? The Bible just declared to me that he will appoint a place for us and will plan us and we will dwell in a place of our own and we won't have to move no more. So I begin to declare that thing and declare that thing and then all of a sudden, land shows up. Then we get the favor to buy the land. Then just yesterday, no, Friday, the owner, the previous owner of the land called me up. And said, Pastor Connor, I just wanted to call and thank you for such a timely first payment. Because we pay our bills on time. Now, for those of you who are new and uh, visitors, our land payment is $6,745. No big deal. Ain't no sweat, no sweat. We got it. If y'all didn't come to church for a month, two months, three months, four months, we still got it. Praise the Lord. But here's my point. He said, Pastor Connor, I used to own a survey company. I'm an engineer by trade. If for whatever reason you need some consulting on the land, uh, environmental stuff, engineering stuff, your parking lot, all that, I will volunteer my services for you for free. Woo! Everybody stand up. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I didn't finish my lesson, can't you tell? Yeah. But, but I always have next week, right? Yeah. 
Next week, one of the things I'm going to do is continue to show you some of the benefits, but then I'm going to show you how to start a study habit.